There are a lot of stories this week with political intrigue. This is one that we're not talking much about here. You can go to deeper in details by searching online or going to our website, thisisaconversation.com. Click the link for this week's podcast, which is, of course, for June the 12th, 2021. And this is the cutoff story at number 11, barely missing at the top 10. Headline reads, CNN obtains audio of 2019 Giuliani call linked to Ukraine meddling allegations. Monday, the 7th of June, today we posted this one. And the reason why we're not talking about this is because it wasn't quite top 10 material. But this was a big deal. This is essentially what kicked off Donald Trump's first impeachment trial, which we know how that turned out. And and just sort of ballooned from there. We got a full, I believe, 60 minutes of audio that CNN has obtained or had obtained. Now other people have it. If you want to go to see more about this, hear more about this, click the link, as we said, at our website where we have a link to every single story in the listing this week, all 206 different stories. But we're only going to talk about 11, the top 10 stories and the almost, well, not even almost, the almost irrelevant story of the week. This one, um, Shouldn't be so relevant. We'll talk about that in a moment. But these are the stories that you decided were the ones most important to talk about, most conversational, as we say. So that's why they're on the list. And we'll get to those in mere moments here on the weekly wrap up with Jay Cliff and Payne. This is for the week ending June the 12th, 2021. And welcome to the show. My name is Jay Cleveland Payne. The show is The Weekly Wrap-Up. This podcast is presented by The Conversation Project at thisistheconversation.com. And what it does, it's a wrap-up for the week's worth of stories that we've posted on our social media attached to the project. We put out links to news stories every 50 minutes or so for the world to see and how we get to this podcast and also to our daily countdown, if you will, the eight things to talk about newsletter is you decide you put the, the the mustard on the hot dog, if you will. And you tell us what stories are the most conversational, whether for the day or for the entire week. Go to our social media uh, places at Facebook. We are at this is conversation dot com on Twitter. Look for TH underscore conversation. And throughout the week, as we say, every 50 minutes, you'll see our new headlines being posted as you see them through your feed. Like them, love them, hate them, share them, engage with the stories, engage with the headlines, engage with the posts. And the more engagement the post gets, the higher score it gets. Now, on Friday mornings, we take the scores from the previous Friday to that Friday, put them into a spreadsheet, and we make them weighed out so that the Facebook and Twitter come out with one true score since Twitter outweighs Facebook because that's how it is. And then we give you a full ranking of the stories we've gone through all week long. This week, 206 distinct different posts for stories that you guys, you guys said were tops to bottoms. We're going to tell you what the tops are first. And then towards the end of the show, we'll get you to the bottom, the very bottom story of the week, because we do that for contrast. Now, as I said, this thing's powered by you for the working parts. It also powered by you for uh, keeping things like electricity and internet access, those things online as well. So stop by. This is the conversation.com slash partnerships to help keep things going. More on that in a bit. And also make sure that you want to keep in conversation with us by emailing us at the conversation inbox at gmail.com. And of course, share the podcast, share the newsletter, share everything out there so that we have more people in the conversation. Let's go ahead and get into the conversational part of this podcast, and that is me basically reading parts of the news stories you said were the tops this week, starting with the story at number 10. This story, uh, the stats behind it are it was posted on Wednesday, the 9th of June. It gets a bump in response. That means this one had more response than the number 11 story while we're at this one, not the other one, by 1.63%. The story also, the date it made it into the eight things to talk about newsletter, which was this Thursday, had an engagement on that day at 8.47%. That's how engaging it was. It actually was a number four story for the day. And we got it from currently.att.yahoo.com, which means it was aggregated off someplace else. Your headline for that story reads, Romance author Ellen Hinderbrand asked publisher to remove offensive and frank reference from the latest novel. Now, famous people get to write famous novels. That's what happens. You either are famous and write a novel or you write some novels and get famous. This is a famous author who's been writing plenty so far, but had a bit of a gaffe. It has people sort of scratching their heads at why this happened. So early this month, um, uh, the new book released uh, called Golden Girl from Ellen Hildenberg came out. And it centers around um, an author named Vivian Howe who was killed in a hit and run accident and transported to the beyond where she watches her first loved ones live lives play out for one last summer. Okay, 
problem is one of those one last summers has this line. In the scene, Vivian remembers staying in a friend's attic as a child before comparing herself to the famous diarist who was killed in the Holocaust. The passage reads, you're suggesting I hide here all summer? Vivian asks, like, like Anne Frank? This makes them both laugh, but is, but is it really funny? And is Vivi so far off base? Following that backlash from hearing, seeing, reading that line, Hildebrand decided she needs it taken out. So further publications of Golden Girl will have that line written. Her quote, I want to be wholeheartedly apologize. I want to wholeheartedly apologize for this. It was meant to be hyperbole, but was a poor choice that was offensive and tasteless. I always strive to write in good faith. Golden Girl is a novel I wrote for my children, and I want them to be proud of every word. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Hildebrand. Thank you, folks, for getting in on this one. Like I said, this story was the fourth rated story for the Thursday edition of Eight Things to Talk About, the newsletter we put out every morning. And you pushed it up. Make sure that it was still being talked about on this weekend edition of the podcast, the weekly wrap up with Jay Cleveland Payne. Moving on to the story at number nine today. This headline, oh, first, number story number eight and nine are ties. That means they literally have the same score once we weight them out between Facebook and Twitter, uh, the same Ross, same top score to give it a true score. What happens is a story that gets posted the latest, that means that one that's youngest gets top billing. We don't give them ties. We say that one's higher. So this story first, both stories have a bump in response from number 10 at 104 the story we're going to talk about first at number nine reads like this. Facebook reportedly to end policy shielding politicians from moderation rules. Friday, the 6th or the, the 4th of June, that's 464, not 46, is when we posted this one. And the day this one made into the newsletter, which happened to be on Monday, uh, it was a story that uh, was number four in the listing for the day. So what is this all about? Well, there have been a lot of flack and a lot of things going on with Facebook, and this boils a lot down to the whole Donald Trump thing. Yes, the Donald Trump thing. Because many people complain, and some people aren't so much complaining, and they're actually putting out actual real fact, actual real uh, some uh, blowback. Some people just bitching and complaining, to be honest, about politicians being able to say what they want to say and some being pushed back for what they're saying. Facebook has a uh, advisory board to put this off of Mark Zuckerberg's hands to kind of say what they should do about this. Now, of course, what happened with Donald Trump is they decided Trump should be banned for another two years, kicking that can a little bit further. But Facebook also is going to end its policy that's going to shield politicians from the moderation rules uh, that have been sort of willy nilly at at this point. Essentially, they're going to actually go into the points of watching politicians and seeing what they're saying and seeing if they are sending out things that are inflammatory or flat out lies, despite the fact that politicians jobs is mostly saying inflammatory flat out lies how it goes or whatever if they can fact check it if someone can say no this isn't true despite the fact that people seem to believe it because they're saying it i.e the trump thing they're going to start pushing back on the moderation and flagging a lot more stuff we're going to see how well this actually works because we're going to see how well this actually works. It got uh, 5.28% engagement on the day it was posted in the newsletter on on Monday, as we said. The number four story that day, Yahoo.com, is our source of this. But we pulled this from The Verge. I know that because I screwed up in the posting of it and wrote more, read more at The Verge, which the computer read because the computer reads that. Oh, by I say computer reading every single weekday, Monday through Friday, we put out this newsletter as an email. It also gets posted on the website, thisisaconversation.com. And we're putting out there, basically taking the script, putting it into a computer screen, letting a robot read it for us, and giving you a verbal version of eight things to talk about the newsletter podcast thing you can see the link to that in the newsletter get it instantly when the newsletter comes out or put it in your podcast feed and as your podcast gets updated you get there as fast as possible everything gets published at 6 a.m so it's however long it takes for that podcast to get to your feed and apple's having all sorts of issues so i apologize for that uh, you'll get it as quickly as possible and have better people read than i do which is as i say a robot Story number eight, also tied with number nine. So this is also 10.4% bump from the number 10 story. 
Monday, the 7th of June, we posted this one, making this one younger than the Friday story. Texas mom arrested after posing as her 13-year-old daughter at middle school. The day this made the newsletter, uh, this which is on Tuesday, it was the number one story, and you made sure it stayed pretty big. 10.52%, as we said, for that day, uh, just in general. New York Post is where we've pulled this from. This is a story that floated for a week or so, and sometimes we wait for the right headline and the right pull to pull people in and the right time. This was the right time for the right right headline. Here's the deal on this one. A 30-year-old woman, Casey Garcia, slipped into her middle schoolers, or her her 13-year-old daughter's high school, and pretended to be her for the day, middle school or for to be her for the day. So it was eighth grade. She walked around all day long with a hoodie on, just, you know, regular old sneaks, just going through. She had her phone out, sort of recording what was going on. She did get accosted for having her phone out, which kids weren't supposed to do. But she talked to teachers. She talked to principals. She sat in classes and went basically the whole day without anything happening until the end of the day. They took all day to figure it out and um, arrested her at the end of that school day. She was uh, let out on bond. Uh, seven thousand nine hundred eight dollars. She did not respond for any comment to the insider, the main section of the post that didn't get taken. But she wanted to prove that security was lax at the school. And she proved it by pretending to be a student and walking around all day posing as a student to include, as you say, sitting in classes and engaging with conversations with the principal of all people uh, while it's going on. It doesn't really state how many people are in this school and how many things going on. Uh, I said 13. She's 13 year olds and flipped back from middle school to high school was 13 being, you know, 40 something seems like that's time rise. She essentially was walking through a seventh grade class pretending to be a seventh grader. So 13 is about seventy seventh grade years. I'll get there when, when my nine year old is there. I'll figure that out now. I know about then. But this was covered in the local CBS news, covered in the local newspapers, and of course made it to the internets because the internets. This is a story that should shock us, should in some cases say, damn, she passed off as a 13 year old. And in most cases, just bewilder us to the point that no one's checking in on people and seeing what's going on. If this could happen in this more or less benign case, Who knows what could happen in bigger cases? And we do know we're all shocked when there are things such as shootings and fights and things like that. Who knows what could have escalated on a person who had malicious intent who could have done the same thing as this mother did here. The story at number seven this week on the same day, we had two different um, stories on Harry and Megan, Megan and Harry. In fact, I think they were posted the same day officially. Uh, this one we're going to talk about was posted on Sunday, the 6th of June. Bump in response of 6.52% from the number 8 and 9 story. Uh, and this is the only one that made it to the countdown. In fact, it's the only one that made it into the actual listing, not even in the almost rands in the 15s. When you have two Harry making stories, they kind of go on neck and neck. They both made it to the newsletter, but only one prevailed this long. And when this is the more important one, and they all sort of wrap together. I'll explain them in a bit. But your headline reads... Megan and Harry welcome second child, Lilibeth Lily Diana. This is the number two story when we posted it in the newsletter on Monday with a 5.71% engagement. Now, AP News is our source for this, and the world saw what happened when uh, we knew that the second child, a girl, was on the way from Megan and Harry, Harry and Megan. Now, the riff that's apparently going on, which we'll talk about that for months, if not years, as it continues to rift, if you will, uh, between Harry and Meghan, Meghan and Harry coming to the States and being on Oprah and airing dirty laundry and saying, well, you know, my family, they're old, they're rich, and they're really, really racist. And that may be a shifting. It may be a, on a way to a fix because babies sometimes do that. This baby, Lilibeth, named after the nickname for Queen Elizabeth, which was Lilibeth because little Elizabeth couldn't quite say Elizabeth, trust me, I, I I get that way too. Uh, Lily will be the baby's nickname, the term endearment that the family will give to her. Diana, based off Princess Diana, who is of course the mother of Harry and William. Uh, so so and basically they wanted to honor both grandmothers, both mothers and grandmothers, if you will, uh, with the royal name and try to maybe fix a bit of rifting stuff. We'll see how that goes down the line. Now, the other story about Harry and Meghan, Meghan and Harry, were the fact that Harry was 
bump down in the role of and this was posted but this is basically news before we knew about the baby was bumped down in the role of line of secession he was basically bumped under prince andrew who is prince charles's brother who is you know because not direct line nowhere near however uh lilibeth is now eighth in line under the other two uh royal children from um from william's um sire if you will and so we'll see how that all works. Now, if things work the way they're supposed to go, it, the the kingship, the queenship, the royal house will go to Prince Charles, then to Prince William, and then to one of his kids. We'll see how that works. The royalty is something that we don't necessarily understand. We don't necessarily we don't understand here. It's just like having Kardashians and we're actually pay, putting them on the payroll for taxes and putting them in the money. It's 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 more of a gawking thing at this point. They don't actually rule per se, but they have a lot to say in the rules and Megan and Harry, Harry and Megan also don't rule at all, but have a lot to say in the not ruling as well. And so if there's a he- he- Megan and Harry, Harry, and Megan, Hagen, Mergi story, you guys like to talk about it. We had two in the same day. Oh, luckily only one of them made it to the countdown. So that didn't take so much of time. Even though I took time to talk about both of them. Story at number six, Space Jam 2 fans demand Zendaya as Lola Bunny is replaced by actual voice actor. As you many people asked, this podcast we replaced by an actual voice actor who can read. Wednesday, the 9th of June, we posted this one. Bump in response from the number seven story of 4.76% on the newsletter on Thursday. as the number two story that day. Engagement on the day, 12.05%. Make this one basic. The voice of Lola Bunny for Space Jam 2 is voiced by Zendaya. We got to see the first clip with her voicing the role. We saw a clip of her of the bunny before in the first trailer, which had pictures that caused a, tre- uh, a bevy of people freaking out because Lola wasn't so sexy anymore. Now we're having people freaking out because Lola doesn't sound all that whatever. Fill in the blank because there were a lot of blanks filled in. People did not like the voice work of Zendaya for this one, although people love Zendaya. Um, many believe that the clip served as, quote, a prime example of how good voice actors are at their job and call for Warner Brothers to put an actual voice actor there. Uh, what, Like I said, even people that love Zendaya aren't so happy about her voicing for the clip. Now, maybe this is just her youth or relative youth and the fact that she might have not done as many animated features as possible. Maybe she's not done many commercials and voiceover things in those speaking terms. But from right now, people uh, who have said all sorts of weird things complaining about Space Jam 2 to the fact, even to the fact that why does Space Jam 2 even exist, which is can be a, a point to that. We're going to see how this thing plays out. When the picture comes out, because I'm pretty sure they're not revoicing uh, Lola Bunny at this point. Pretty sure Zendaya is in the movie, will be in the movie and will go forward and we'll see what happens, how things play out. Uh, This is one that is all matter of opinion, not matter of fact. And so your opinions may vary. Unfortunately for Zendaya, most of the opinions, even from her true fans, are that she didn't do too good in this one. Gamer Revolution is our source for this one. Uh, by the way, but like I said, the internets were all up in a blaze about Zendaya not being so great at a Lola Bunny. As we said earlier, this podcast and the whole entire conversation project is powered by you. What we mean is it literally gets done by you. Not only do we ask you to do a lot of the work in telling us what to talk about, we also ask you if you think the work is good, if you think this is good journalism or good aggregation or a fairly decent reacting and reading of a guy, then we ask if you could help us keep things going. There are many simple ways to do this that cost you very little extra to what's going on. We have ads that run throughout the project, as in banner ads on the website. We have banner ads on the newsletter. We have links that go out inside of the feeds that they go through. And, of course, we'll drop some various profile different uh, podcast uh, sponsors for inside of the podcast. If you go to the links we provide there or click on the banners we provide there, we get a bit of affiliate commission for those ads. The, the more you buy, obviously, the more we get, but it costs you nothing extra. It's affiliate. It's basically a we're they're using us as a go between as someone to uh, bring you in, just kind of bring in for for having you there. It's just like any other banner ad or any other link you see on the Internet. You click on it and somebody gets a little money for putting it out there. We get a 
tiny little bit off your purchase as a finder's fee for getting you there. So if there's a ad or a company or a service you see that sounds great, you can just use our links for those ads. We get a little bit back from that one. You can also be a direct sponsor by going to this is a conversation.com slash partnerships. This is a conversation.com slash partnerships. And all I'll take you to is our buymeacoffee.com page uh, where you can buy us cups of coffee, buy us subscription coffees, buy us lots of coffees, one coffee. Essentially, you're chipping in into our, our coffee cup to help keep things going. It is a little bit simpler, a little bit easier than running uh, Patreon has been. So we've switched it from Patreon to buy me a coffee. There are other ways to send out things as well. And we'll probably expand on that one. Um, we'll take cash app. We'll take Vimo. We'll if you if you around the corner, we'll take we'll take a we'll take a cash donation. I'll go pick it up. Uh, but if you want to help keep things going for this podcast, it is a labor of love, as I like to say, but it is a labor that does require what labors do resources. You can help us out by going to this is a conversation dot com slash partnerships. You can click on any ad you see for affiliate commissions to us. And most importantly, share the podcast with other like minded people. Share the newsletter with like minded people. Tell people about the feeds and the and the website and have more people engage in the conversation for better, better stats. That's a great way as well. We appreciate all the help that you're going to offer to us coming down the line. But let's get back into actual numbers and things you really, really, really care about and things that you're actually working to produce. That is to count down stories. We're now at story number five this week. The headline for that one reads Delta Airlines flight forced to divert after unruly passenger reportedly tries to breach cockpit. This one was posted to you guys on Saturday, the 5th of June. 2.6% um, bump in response from the story at the number six spot. This story had engagement of 5.67% on the day it posted into the newsletter. That's Monday morning. USA Today is our source of this, but this seems to be a source, a sore spot of sources for a lot of folks. We're not sure if it's COVID related, not sure if it's just craziness related, but a whole lot of people are getting highly unruly. And the quote was unruly passenger on this flight. This was a Delta flight from L.A. to Nashville that had to be kicked off and stopped in Albuquerque because someone got up and decided they were breaching the cockpit. This is coming from spokeswoman Stephanie Kitts. I want to make sure that she got her cred for for talking about this. Um, people pulled out their plane, pulled out the phone, started recording and, you know, basically talking about the passenger that will seem like he was trying to hijack the plane. A video on on social media shows a male Delta flight attendant appearing to detain the passenger in the back of the plane and also shows a passenger with his wrist zip tied behind his back to keep from getting up. Uh, this, there's a, a much longer statement and more details on this one. Go to our website. This is the conversation.com. Click on this week's podcast. You can see more about this story here. And yes, all the stories, all 206 links for the stories we have for the week. But to see more about uh, what's going on in this take from USA Today about why passengers are just getting so it's just, just so wild and, and uppity these days. Uh, you can see it again. This is a reoccurring thing. I hope it's going to go away soon, but the way trends are going, I don't think so. The number four story that made it into the newsletter on Friday the 11th, the last day to take things in, literally because it was posted on Thursday, and that's essentially the cutoff for what happened. The headline reads like this. Best Buy joins Walmart and Target in closing stores on Thanksgiving, a blow to Black Friday. It's the number two story from Friday the 11th. It was posted, as I said, on Thursday, of course, the 10th of June. This story is actually tied with the story at number five. So bump in response is 2.6 from the story at number six. This one is a much, much younger story getting to that spot much, much faster. And so that is why it is at number four instead of five or any place else. Here's your brief rundown for the story for the dealio, why it's so important. Best Buy closing for Thanksgiving, along with Walmart and Target again. Now, being open for Thanksgiving is a relatively new thing. I mean, as in only within the past decade, essentially, has it been a thing. But now, all of a sudden, they are closed. Last year, it was kind of a COVID thing. Uh, years prior, there were a lot of people who were complaining about people not getting time off and having to work Thanksgiving Day and Black Friday, uh, although people were showing up for sales on Thanksgiving Day and Black Friday. 
And now, because of the reality of the world we live in and the way we shop, COVID sort of making this really, really, really obvious, Black Friday doesn't seem to be much of a thing. In fact, Black Fridays nowadays essentially are done on the computer on Friday or Thursday night. So Best Buy, Walmart, and Target are doing more to have Black Friday-ish sales online, have more things online all the time, and things are actually more or less cheaper with more deals at various times online. We're preparing right now for Prime Day for Amazon Prime, which is happening in about 10, 11 days as I record this on the 12th of June. Uh, June 21st and, and 22nd to be exact. And they've extended that to two days. It's just basically, you know, Christmas in June where they just put a lot of stuff on sale and people jump and rush at the chance to get that because there's so many chances for cheap deals all the time and cheap deals online all the time. Standing in line, fighting for folks on Black Friday and doing all that stuff is not all that conducive for business, which is why they're not doing it. Not because they're trying to do a solid for employees. It literally is about money. It's not so good for business to have all these people out there working when they can take the day off, pay a couple of people just to do some extra cleaning and extra stocking and just let the, the both of the folks enjoy a day off and come back to whatever hell it is working in retail and let most of the people who are spending money anyway click away and do it because we're doing it. Even people with bad Internet are on their phones buying stuff at random as opposed to standing in lines for long periods of time and dealing with some of the craziness that has been Black Friday. We're going to see how well this thing works and whether this will turn into a real killing of Black Friday. Called Black Friday because black is the color that you see on a ledger that means you're in the black. You're not in the red. You're actually positive. Most stores, oddly enough, don't make it to the black until these big sales or traditionally these big sales happening around Thanksgiving pop things over and then they can close out their books for the end of the year. That's how they know they've actually made it for the year. We will see if Black Friday continues, if these things continues, if the money continues, and if online shopping, which knows not going away, will evolve into the mainstream of shopping and how it's going to affect retail in general for all going forward. Bump in response for the story at number three is 10.76%. It was posted on Thursday the 10th as well which means it made into the newsletter on Friday the 11th, right before we cut things down as well. This story is the highest rated Facebook story of the week. It gives us some pause because of just exactly what's happening in the story. Uh, It was the number one story in the newsletter. Obviously, something happening late Thursday or Thursday going into Friday. Palm Beach Post gave us the story of gunmen kills two, then self inside Florida Publix. Um. We seem to not go past a week without serious shootings. In fact, every single weekend for the past three weekends, we've had at least 10 double digit mass shootings across the nation over the span of a two, three day weekend. In some of these cases, four days because we had Memorial Day as a four day weekend for some for some people. It's a. Uh, It's a tough story. Basically, go to our website and click the link for this story, and you can go deeper from the Palm Beach Post. But it was basically a shopper walked into a Publix around lunchtime, shot two people, a woman and a toddler, a grandmother and a toddler, and then shot himself uh, to end the ordeal. Uh, It's the Crossroads Shopping Plaza in Royal Palms Beach uh, on Okachibu Boulevard is where it happened. Um, this is one that was wrapped up as a case pretty quickly, but the details surrounding it, the, the reasons why are still ongoing. As you said, this is something happened on Thursday or recording this on Saturday. We were going to see deeper details as this goes along throughout the weekend and the week. Uh, as we get them, we'll let you know. And you, of course, will vote them up to where they need to be for next week's countdown. If they if they are earnest enough to be one that you say is most conversational. We will talk about it again. We'll probably talk about it again just since these things keep happening. But we'll we'll hit this one specifically if this one that you deem that important. You deem this one pretty important, so we're going to talk about this one. We talked about um, Kim in the Kimye uh, moving on or trying to move on. And let's talk about Kanye. Headline for number two, Kanye West rebounds with supermodel Irina Syke. In France, Wednesday, the 9th of June, we posted this one, and this one we knew was going to be pretty cut top when it hit. The bump in response from the story at number two, or number three, I should say, 
102.29%. That many folks are bigger into this one. This was a top story on Thursday. The engagement for that day in the newsletter, almost 30%, 29.34%. And just as it says, Kanye West hitting on his 44th birthday, hanging out in France, talking about hanging out with supermodel Irina Shaikh, which I'm pretty sure I am, I am butchering. But that's it. That's the story. Kanye West is uh, either hooked up, having friends with benefits uh, status, or maybe really, really moving on with the supermodel after the divorce filings from his wife, um, Kim Kardashian West. We don't know much about what's going on in the actual live lives of what's going on. I believe there was an article, uh, it, it may have posted uh, now, past the de- deadline, posted recently about Kim, Kim Kardashian, essentially saying she was fed up with the entourage that was Kanye West and the craziness going around and just not being able to spend quality time or quiet time with her husband, which is why the divorce thing happened. And so she's moving on. Kanye's definitely moving on, or at least moving in this case. You can read more about these folks by searching the internet. We pulled this story from TMZ, but everybody's talking about Kanye and his rebound and what's what's it means for him, what's it means for all of us. It's Kanye. You never really know what it means, but it's Conway's world. Conway's, Kanye's, Kanye's world, and we all live in it. Conway is a whole nother thing. Now, fanfare for the story at number one. This is a big one. This is really a big one this week. As always, there is usually top Twitter story. The bump in response is 26.84% from the Kanye West rebound story. From the story at number 10, which was Ann or Ellen Hildebrand killing the Anne Frank quote from her novel uh, by 259%. And from the story that's at the very bottom, we call it the almost relevant story of the week. Number 206 is its ranking, your headline, you'll get for that in a bit. But it's more responsive than that story at the bottom by 44,800%. Oh, by the way, it hit the newsletter on Monday, so that means it was a weekend story, and it held on all weekend long, and all week long to be the top story. The engagement on Monday was 12.17%, and it grew from there. Bro Bible, where we're getting a whole bunch of great new news from, it was our source for it, and it got a total engagement for the entire countdown of stories, 206 stories of 6.09% of all the stories we posted this week. We'll go deeper into engagement in a moment. Your headline for number one... Story number one on Monday is this. ESPN fires recently hired betting analyst Kelly Stewart after nine-year-old homophobic tweets. Posted on Saturday the 5th of June. So like we said, a weekend story, a last end of the week story that lasted the whole week. Short but sweet, here's what we posted from Bro Bible. Betting analyst Kelly Stewart was recently hired to contribute to ESPN's upcoming gambling coverage, but unfortunately, she was fired over some old tweets before she could even record her first podcast with the company. According to the report from Front Office Sports, the network fired Stewart over homophobic tweets she made in 2012. An ESPN spokesperson confirmed Stewart was no longer with the network on Friday. Sources tell Front Office Sports that her departure was related to old Twitter messages and posts that were flagged after ESPN brought her on board. ESPN declined to state the reason she's no longer with the network. Stewart released a statement on Twitter confirming she had been fired over the old tweets and expressed disappointment ESPN didn't stand behind her. Stewart was hired a little over a month ago and was set to begin appearing on the network as a betting analyst this month. Now, we saved some time up at the end of the countdown, or more or less middle. We have another segment for the almost relevant story and the stats to do commentary for the top story, because the top story was a story you guys said was most worth talking about, most conversational. And so here we are. If this is a true statement, just a pure statement on cancel culture. I'm not sure a betting analyst doing a podcast for ESPN is, you know, the poster child for that. But she got targeted. And it happened. Basically, people complained about the old tweets and she got fired for it, which is plain and simple. Now, the fact that they were nine years old, that's that says something to maybe her progression, maybe the thought process of the time and maybe what was being said. Uh, Apparently, uh, one of the types of tweets she put out there was uh, basically calling the Kansas um, University of Kansas uh, Jayhawks, the University of Kansas Gayhawks. And there's more context to that in the Twitter discussion. 
why she decided to do that nine years ago. I don't know. If I were nine years old, I would think that was completely funny. I'm not nine years old. And these are different times. That doesn't that doesn't necessarily excuse anything. But I'm not nine years old. I know better. So that's something that people who know better don't do. And while Kelly did say she's disappointed that Kelly Stewart did say she's disappointed that ESPN didn't stand behind her. She also didn't say very much in the way of any articles or any, any research background I could find that she was necessarily sorry or that it was something she had evolved from, which is kind of the problem. It's not from my standpoint, it's not a problem of she said these horrible things. It's she says these horrible things nine years ago in the context that they were in aren't translating well now. So she's not saying that this is something I did as a stupid thing nine years ago. I'm very, very sorry. As I said earlier, this is pure cancel culture stuff. I'm not sure she's the right person to be targeting for cancel culture because I'm not sure many people of any real ilk really care other than just being trolls that are just looking to cancel people in general. If this is an example of being able to talk your way out of bad, bad, bad past things you've said, then this is an example of what not to do and how to prepare yourself for these things and how people who are famous or infamous who need to make money by speaking in front of people in microphones and cameras need to make sure that the words they said in the past don't come back to bite them, which this definitely did. Kelly Stewart will probably come back to something uh, that will make her money. She probably, she, I don't think she'll be on the streets anytime soon. In fact, hey, Jeffrey Tubin came back to TV this week and took a cringe-worthy take because that's what you do when you do cringe-worthy things. You have to atone for them. But we're going to see how this plays out. I guess, like I said, this is something that was nowhere near my radar, but you guys thought it was tops enough to stick around all week long as a top story to talk about for the end of the week. A story from the weekend, a story coming off off a Saturday posting in sort of the deadish zone of things preparing for the newsletter. In fact, like the newsletter for Monday is has three days to come through Friday, Saturday and Sunday. So between all that stuff, the rest of the newsletters are just you know a day and a half or basically a day. You guys wanted this one in here. You guys want to talk about this one. Talk further to me. Email us at the conversation inbox at gmail.com. Let us know what exactly it is about this that was such a big deal. We can talk about this offline and inside the comment section as well. We can do that. This is about bigger conversations, more conversations. Let me know why this is a big deal. As far as the basic stance on, on on cancel culture that I am forced to give because this was posted as a top story, I don't see a necessarily problem with it as long as you're not jumping on the bandwagon just because somebody said one off thing that may have ticked you off. I learned this from doing this podcast back when we had the brackets game and interviews from a good friend of mine talking about cancel culture uh, on someone who essentially got blasted for just not being a gentleman on a date. And that turned into him losing, you know, a, a gig and, and big TV gig because him and a girl just didn't click. They just didn't click as, as a couple. And then she complained about it. And people jumped on that one pretty quickly. Whether he's a bad guy or not wasn't even an issue. We didn't really discuss. It was just a bad, bad matchup that didn't work out. So canceling people too quickly off of things is something that's happening a lot these days so i think people need to be wary of who they're canceling and why they're actually being canceled and not just just you know turning up their nose because they're hearing people are doing something weird but people who do things that are despicable and say things that are really really bad and don't know how to at least say they're sorry and number two try to fix it and atone for it cancellation is something that should happen more often to folks like that. People should actually have consequences and live throughout those consequences until they've atoned. And that's the basic info on that. As I said, discuss this more offline at the conversation inbox at gmail.com, the email address for all things coming in for this is the conversation and the conversation project, which is the same thing. And since it's the same thing, we want to make sure that we are giving you enough things to have conversations with. And not only are we providing you news stories that you may or may not have seen, the story about the fire on the ENN, the ESPN analyst might be one that you might not have picked up in normal your normal reading, but we picked it up, gave it to you, and enough people brought it up so it was a big deal for all to hear. 
We want to provide you for things to do when you're not just chasing news stories or current events things. And we want to provide you a great way to get more knowledge and get it faster. And that is by access to the full Blinkist app with the premium version of Blinkist. Now, Blinkist is an app that allows you to take in um, all the great nonfiction books that you're missing and some that you never even thought you need it that are there because they have a large, expansive library that with the premium service, you have access to all of the library books for free. For the regular service, you get a book a day that you can get into and a, a, a very well curated book that is great for learning. But if you get the full premium act, you have access to the entire library of nonfiction books, along with the entire library of shortcasts. They're podcasts that are curated for being business-like or being uh, knowledge-like or things like that, and they are shorter podcasts. In fact, they are even trimmed down from the larger podcasts to fit into the sort of Blinkist mindset. They've also launched uh, Sleep Stories. These are books and stories and autobiographies on big, famous people that are set aside in a more dulcet tone so that you can listen and relax and put you to sleep. These are books that are meant to put you to sleep. Now, the regular blinks aren't meant to put you to sleep. They are stories that are usually about 15 minutes long. There are some that do go longer for bigger, deeper discussions that allow you to get a full taste of a book in the short amount of time. It takes all the main topics, all the big issues, all the thoughts from the book and puts them into blinks, into succinct notes and points that are explained to you in succession. And some books that I recently finished were, I guess I was on a... um, old school motivational kick, old school self-help kick, because I just listened to Outwitting the Devil the other day by Napoleon Hill. Also, The Motivation Manifesto from Brandon Burchard, The Work-Life Balance Myth by David J. McNiff, and also How to Do the Work by Nicole LaPera. And one of those bedtime biographies, those sleep stories, if you will, that I listened to lately was Sammy James Jr.'s Yes, I Can. So it's basically a retelling of the book in a sleepy version, if you will. Now, another good thing about this app is once you get into the blink and you want to get into the deeper parts of the real book, you can buy those books via Kindle or via Audible inside the app. They have links for that one as well. So you get covered with the blinks and a way to get the full books as soon as you're ready for those those books. But you can go through, I like I'm doing now a a one hour book club, which is promoting four books, which you can read in an hour by using the Blinkist app. It's that simple. Go to thisisaconversation.com slash Blinkist. Thisisaconversation.com slash Blinkist. Thisisaconversation.com slash Blinkist. B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T for your chance to get a free trial, seven full days to use the full app. And once you get into it, trust me, you won't know how you live without it. Blinkist is an app that I totally can't live without. It keeps me sane whenever I need uh, to find some space where I need to learn something. <laughs> I just I find some time and I can either read the blinks or if it's someplace quiet and calm, I can listen to the blinks in about 15 minutes for a full book. It's that simple. It's that amazing. It's Blinkist. Time to wrap up the show, but first let's start with the actual big time stats for the week, and then we'll get you to our almost irrelevant story of the week, 206, which story I'm like, honestly, I'm not sure what happened this week, but no one picked up on this one. And this one as a sports fan, as a football fan, NFL football fan, big, pretty big deal. Um, well, that's your tease for that. But let's get on to the big stats. We already told you about the number one story taking 6.09% of the engagement for the entire week. We add up the top 10 stories to tell you how much the top 10 stories, the stories we just talked about, took in your eyeballs uh, for people who were engaged with any of our stories. 27.06%, which is, yes, on the lower side of our average. This one is usually a bit over 30%, but still pretty much in range for what's happening. A lot of people getting into our stories for this week. The almost rands, uh, these are stories uh, from 11 through 15. We told you about uh, number 11, which is CNN and the Giuliani call tapes. You can find out more about those other stories. Links to those stories are at our website. And, and like I said, links to all the stories that from top to bottom there. for the stories, not quite in range, 11 through 15. 
So that basically means all those stories were basically same amount of engagement as the as the bottom three stories from eight, nine and ten. So basically in the same range, those stories were close, but not quite far enough. That's how many uh, how much people were in there, how many people for the engagement there as well. The engagement for the almost relevant story of the week is point zero one percent, which is down from the average of point zero three percent. But as I said, this was probably a fluke in that one. We'll get that in a second. And the Twitter love versus Facebook love getting more or less to what was normal. Although since things have fluctuated, this may be now abnormal. The Twitter love is 91.7%, while Facebook 8.26%. So let's say 92 to 8, essentially where it normally is. About 8% of the people who engage with stories are on Facebook. And sometimes there is a massive story that takes the lead and, and take things over. And then we see that happening. But not enough to overtake the percentage of the of a 90 percent by very much twitter because of its way it works gets things faster gets things done easier to spread but we'd love more and more of you to follow us on the facebook that's of course go to facebook search for this is a conversation right now we're a blue speech bubble looking thing we're trying to do some things with new logo stuff i've been saying that for about a year we're working on it but right now go to facebook search for this is a conversation you'll see this is conversation, the conversation project, Jay Cleveland Payne there as well. Uh, also on Twitter, as we say, TH underscore conversation, because this is a conversation is way too many characters for a Twitter handle. But the story that you didn't want to talk about that I definitely do at number 206. This one obviously didn't make any newsletters and make any sort of um, engagement, any blips in any sort of radar. So there's not much to go with other than reading the full story which I will, a little bit long, so bear with me. We pulled this from CBSSports.com. Your headline reads, NFL officially sets date for Super Bowl 57, if my Roman numeral reading is right. Game will become second latest Super Bowl ever played. It came from, as I said, CBSSports.com, and we will post it for you guys to see on Friday the 4th of June. So this one had all week to work its way up to Number 205, I guess 207 would be down, and it didn't. You probably don't have a 2013 calendar in front of you, but if you do, you can go ahead and mark the date for Super Bowl 57. The NFL officially announced on Wednesday that Super Bowl 57 will be played on February 12th, 2023. The location of the game, Arizona, had been previously announced back in 2018. However, the date of the game had to be reset after the NFL decided to expand the schedule to 17 games this year. With the extra game, that means the regular season is now 18 weeks long, which means the Super Bowl is now being moved back from the first Sunday in February to the second Sunday in February. The fact that Super Bowl 57 is being held on February 12th means that it will go down as the second latest date that a Super Bowl has ever been held. The honor for latest Super Bowl currently belongs to the last season's game between the Buccaneers and the Chiefs, which was held on February 7th. However, that record is only going to stand for another few months. And that's because Super Bowl 56 in Los Angeles is going to be played on February 13th, 2022. Super Bowl 57 will mark the fourth time that the game is played in Arizona, which makes it the fifth most common Super Bowl host. Only Miami, South Florida, with 11, New Orleans with 10, Los Angeles with 7, and Tampa with 5 have hosted the game more often. Both New Orleans and L.A. will see their hosting numbers go up by one over the next five years. As things currently stand, the host cities for the next three Super Bowls have been selected. Super Bowl 56 is set for February 13th, 2022 in Los Angeles, broadcast on NBC. Super Bowl 57 is set for February 12th, 2023 in Glendale, Arizona, Broadcast on Fox. Super Bowl the 58 as an unofficial date of February 11th, 2024, with the location also to be announced. That's going to be on Fox, though. The, t- the TV rights are already set up. And Super Bowl 59 as an unofficial date of February the 9th in New Orleans, 2025. But the broadcast is set for Fox. New Orleans was supposed to host the one for 59. I'm sorry, for 58. But that got changed due to a conflict with more important things in the past Super Bowl, which is Mardi Gras. 
Uh, and the replacement city has not been pulled together for making that one happen yet. Uh, so we will see how things will roll out going forward. We have four locations or three locations, one not set. And because we don't know what's happening, dates down the road. Those dates and official uh, times aren't quite set yet. But next two, of course, are set. We'll be playing in Los Angeles and Arizona. And the dates are now moving back officially later. And we'll see how late they go going forward. Forward, Because now the NFL is officially set for 18-week season with 17 games in each team's um, layer. So we'll see how that works out. If you love football, you love the way that happens. This year, they're coming back to a more standard set with actual preseason games. So it's going to seem even longer. I think they may cut a preseason game instead of like last year when they had none. But we'll see how this plays out as mini camps have already started opening up. If you're a big NFL football fan and are loving you know, what you're seeing from all these summer, spring, off leagues, you'll be ready and rock and rolling come August for the real deal to come back to town. And with that, the real deal for this show is officially done. My name is Jay Cleveland Payne. The show weekly wrap up. We have wrapped up the top 10 stories plus the very, very bottom story from the week ending June the 12th, 2021 per you. You made the playlist. You set the news feed. You gave us the rundown and we ran down the stories you said were most conversational. Have any comments, complaints? Email us at the conversation inbox at gmail.com or reach out to us inside our social media and we'll chat back and see what we can do to fix it. Or if you just want to chat, we will chat as well. This is a team effort. A lot of folks are around making this thing happen, even though I'm the voice face and take the bulk of the credit. But everyone is so proud and gracious and thankful for the fact we get to do this thing right here. As we say, this show is powered by you. You do pick the news stories, but you also help keep things going as you know, keeping things going. So if that seems like something that you are amenable to, check out this is a conversation.com slash partnerships and see if there's a way you would like to partner with us. Otherwise, click on any link that you see in any of our different venues on our newsletter on the website inside the feeds and we get a bit of affiliate action from those as well. Also check out this is a conversation.com slash Blinkist, our big profile sponsor this week uh, and get yourself in on seven days of the free trial of the full premium app you will find you won't be able to live without it going forward. Trust me. Subscribe to our newsletter, 8 Things to Talk About. You can find information on that. Also, where to subscribe to the podcast if you're not subscribed and where to find things going on and how to make this thing happen. And the story behind the whole project at the main website, This is a conversation.com. Once again, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for all the love, all the support, all the hard work you guys have done in making us get news stories to talk to you of the week. We are already all week, all day, all the time posting more stories. So we're already gathering things to prepare for Monday's newsletter. And we'll see how many of those stories will last from this weekend all the way to next weekend. And we'll be talking about them here in the podcast. So until next weekend, I'm still Jay Cleveland Payne. This is still the weekly wrap up podcast. And we'll see what we're talking about about seven days from now.